This is Dory Clark, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? I'm Dory Clark, and I'm the author of Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future, and I teach for the Duke University Fuqua School of Business, and I also used to be a presidential campaign spokesperson. Which is a really weird route from presidential campaign spokesperson politics to business. Uh, all, the thing, actually, that I see in both of those is this idea of branding, which you, by the way, do very well because you jumped right to the book. So often when I ask people this question, they say a bunch of different stuff. And, you know, then I have to remind them, like, oh, yeah, you write books, too, don't you? So Yeah, eyes on the prize. Absolutely. So in, <laughs> the, the, the reason I bring that up, though, is that you, so the book is reinventing you. And I think you're the perfect author for it because you're someone who under who not only understands this branding idea, but also understands when you make career changes, when you make different uh, a lot of different changes, you need to change sometimes how the world sees you. And, uh, and you're someone that's done that really well. So I guess, the, tell us the deeper version of this story, campaign spokesperson to business professor to author to serial author, but more on that later. Yeah, so it's true. I, I got the idea for writing Reinventing You. Um, actually, it sprung out of a Harvard Business Review blog post. And the reason that I wrote the blog post to begin with was that I had myself changed careers so many times. And I, I realized at a certain point that, it was becoming increasingly common. I mean, there's plenty of people who have changed careers, uh, or even if they haven't changed careers, they've kind of you know shifted themselves around in an organization, maybe different functional roles or things like that. And what I learned in that process is that a lot of people's perceptions of you does not keep up with the, the reality. They may have this vision of you in their heads that's frozen several years in the past because you know they're worrying about more important things. They're worrying about their own life and what. The disadvantage of that is, though, is that if people are thinking of you as you were in 2009 or something like that, they have no idea what you can offer now, and you are missing out on opportunities because you are not top of mind for the right things. And so, you know, above and beyond uh, being, you know, presidential campaign spokesperson and things like that, I also, I studied theology, I was uh, a nonprofit executive director, I did all these different things, uh, kind of, you know, working on the path toward uh, what I ended up doing with writing and teaching. I, I think like a lot of people, I experienced some disruptions in the economy. I mean, I started out as a journalist and lost my job because, uh, you know, no one's a journalist anymore. I worked on political campaigns and all my candidates lost. And each step along the way, I thought, well, what is another way to accomplish this goal? What's another way to find something that I'm interested in doing and apply my skills a little bit differently? And so for anyone who's doing that, whether it's a big reinvention or a small reinvention, we need to understand how we're perceived by others and make sure that their vision of us that they have in their heads is being updated as time progresses. And I think this is an important conversation to have for a couple of different reasons. You know, we're we're about that intersection between leadership, innovation, and strategy. And we often talk about when you're in a leadership role, here's sort of how to do it. But so often being given the opportunity to even take a leadership role, whether it be formally through, you know, hierarchical channels of getting promoted or even just getting people to see that you're someone who can offer them a way and a path and can be a leader is a matter of focusing in on how do we how do we do all of these things how do we get people to, to perceive us as with the strengths we want them to and and I'm going to drastically oversimplify your book um, but the but the book lays out an amazing sort of step-by-step -step process on how to do that 
I really sort of boil it down into kind of understanding what the strengths you actually have to do are, which if again, oversimplification is, is to me more about the activities you're good at, not necessarily the job description, right? Because they activities apply beyond that. And then actually understanding this idea of personal brand and then getting other people to see, you know, cra- crafting that brand and then getting other to receive you through that brand, through these sort of new strengths. I think so often we just uh, hope people see the best of us, but sometimes I think we don't even know the best of us. So that first step, so we can't even do the other two. Is that, yeah, by I, the way, is that a fair oversimplification of, of reinventing you? I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, and and uh, and to that point, uh, I was just down at Fort Bragg speaking with uh, service members who are transitioning out of the military, and I think you know they're in many ways a perfect example of this uh, that. You know, you might have a job. You might have had a job for the past decade that, you know, you, you'd imagine that you could never translate it to civilian life. You know, you're, you're driving a tank or you're uh, diffusing explosives or things like that. You know, what, what can you possibly do? But one of the things that, that we worked on with, with these folks is the idea is it's not about the, the job title that you've held. It's not even necessarily about the tasks that you've done. It's about digging deeper, digging below the surface and saying, what, what really are you good at? What are these things about? How do you tell the story about leadership, about teamwork, about delegation, about all these things that you've learned, about operating in a high-stakes environment? Those things are transferable, even if the literal tasks that you did are not transferable. Yeah, no, I think that's something, I, I don't, it's kind of funny to me because I don't think we uh, we operated a system that nowadays, even, at, you know, I'm thinking in the top big level corporations, maybe entrepreneurs are, are different feeling, but I feel like we have such a, when we're looking for talent, we have such a keyword focused process with which we use it. And, and it's, if you don't hit the right keywords, you're sort of out. And the keywords so often are based not on tasks, but based on past experiences in a certain job description and making that sort of jump over is really difficult. I think not the army example is great. I actually think about this often with the struggles that brand new graduates, whether it be graduate school or even undergrad, have with translating success in a classroom environment. And yeah, you have some knowledges, but turning those things into the skills that you actually market yourself at it, unless you're an accounting major, it's really quite difficult to get people to see where your strengths are and where they're relevant to what you're looking to do. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I think that the fact that we're now reduced to uh, you know to, to plugging in the right keywords and you know people get so stressed out about uh, their LinkedIn profile or their resume and I mean to a certain extent it's it's with good reason because you know all of these big corporations have uh, com- you know mechanized computerized screening tools now that if you don't have the keywords okay you're out um, and so it's useful to be mindful of it but that's why you know one of the, the drums that I bang pretty frequently is the fact that if you really want to get a job in the current economy, you absolutely cannot play by the same rules as other people. If you're relying on, oh, do I have the right keywords? You've basically already lost because that's, that's really not how people get jobs. They get jobs based on, on their connections. And you either have the connections now or you have to be smart enough to figure out how to get the connections. That is the test that qualifies you to get in the door. Yeah, you, so you you jumped right to where my train of thought was, which is yeah, we have this this problem, but the easiest way to avoid it, right? The the best way to win a game is to it, well, what's the that Cold War movie with uh, Matthew Broderick? 
I think. Yeah, yeah, best war way, games. Yeah, yeah, war games. Best way to win, not to play, right? Or only way to win is not to play, right? So the same thing with this. And I think this is where we go in this idea of building up a brand and getting other people to see that sort of brand that avoids this need to have a keyword-rich properly formatted, you know, A4 or eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper resume, perfectly scannable resume. If you can get your brand in place, people will want to sort of find you in a sense, right? And I remember one time I once told somebody probably too early in my life because I had no concept of this branding thing that my goal in life was to never have to apply for jobs, right? Yeah. To just be in demand enough to where they come to you. And I'm, you know, I'm batting like, I don't know, 200, maybe 100 on that one. So it's not working <laughs> it's all that well, goal, though. but yeah. it's a great goal. Uh, and it takes that sort of the really, really rich and understood and concise and well-formatted personal brand. But um, I'm, I'm jumping to conclusions here when we're talking about this personal brand idea. What are we talking about? I'll, you, you're more the expert on that. So this is your wheelhouse. What are we talking about? How do we do that? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think you're exactly right, David. I mean, what what we need to do is disrupt the power balance. That's kind of what it comes down to, right? Is that um, historically it's always been a bunch of supplicants who say, "Oh, corporation, please hire me," and you try to make yourself look good for that. And unfortunately, uh, thanks to the 2008 recession and its aftermath, I mean, you know, they just dramatically cut down on hiring. Now we have the rise of the software industry where, you know, you can be acquired for $19 billion, like WhatsApp and not even have a hundred employees. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. And so the power differential has shifted. The, the corporations don't really need you anymore as a worker, but what corporations always need is they need stars. And so if you can find a way to turn yourself into someone that is in demand by name, it's not just, oh, we need a marketer. Oh, we need an accountant. Oh, we need you know, someone to do this thing. There's always going to be someone who can do this thing for less. But there's, there's not going to be someone that can fill the role if they are looking for you. And so the question is, how do you make sure that, as you said, they're looking for you? And I, I think that what's great about that, the, the internet presents opportunities we've never had before. I mean, there's all there's still the, the same kind of in-person networking opportunities that people have always had. You can, you know, join and, and become successful at a uh, leading a professional organization, something like that. You can do one-on-one -on -one networking, informational interviews, all these kinds of things are great. Um, ways in the real world to showcase your leadership. But what's really nice in terms of leveling the, the playing field, I mean, you know, your own example is a really good one. You're in Oklahoma. A lot of people would say, you know, that is not exactly the networking hub for business thought leadership. But you are nonetheless, because of doing podcasts, because of blogging for Harvard Business Review, you're able to get your name out there and get known by other people and become part of the discourse in a way that 20 years ago really would have been incredibly difficult to do and incredibly difficult to break in. So I think that um, that content creation is really the backbone of uh, becoming becoming known and developing a strong personal brand. So, so let me ask you this then, uh, and thanks for the, the uber kind words. I truly don't deserve them. You make me sound cooler than I am. Um, but, but one thing that I sort of did, I feel like I, I at least can applaud myself for is realizing that the, that the only way to win is not to play by the same rules, right? Is to change the sort of rule structure, play a different game almost. I feel like most people's that's, that's just something that doesn't even occur to them. 
Why do you feel like that is? Why do you think people are so afraid to even sort of do that? We live in an incredibly connected time where you can be, as, as I usually say it, you can live in the middle of the country and fly over country. You can teach at a university that nobody even knows about, right? It's certainly not a brand name. And if it is, it may not be the brand name they're looking for. And yet you can still use connective, all of these different technologies and, and the, the not playing by the rules to build a, a brand and to get it out there. But why is it that most people still sort of play by the play by the traditional scan your resume and send it in rules? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you one story that really hammered it home for me. Um, I, in April, was in Paris giving a series of talks about my book. because Hard, hard life. Yeah, pretty tough, right? <laughs> uh, Reinventing You had just been uh, translated into French. It's become Se Reinventé. And, uh, I'll so take your I, word I was... for it. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it, according to Google, it, it means, uh, it means to, uh, to reinvent oneself. So it's, it's good. It's, you know, it's suited to the French. It's far more philosophical. <laughs> but, uh, but so, yeah, Reinventing You got translated into French. So I gave these talks. And at one of them, at a, at a university in, uh, in France, I was speaking to an alumni association. And a guy came up to me after my talk. And he said, um, you know, well, you know, you've given a very interesting talk. But, you know, really what you've done is you've profiled a bunch of extraordinary people. And, you know, how... How can ordinary people do something like this? Um, because it doesn't seem like their examples are very applicable. And so I pushed back, you know, and, and I said, well, actually, the whole point was that I had profiled ordinary people who did extraordinary things. I mean, literally, we've got a story about a woman who was a graduate student uh, and she uh, became the secretary of. Uh, of a volunteer organization, and through that got a bunch of powerful mentors. We have a story about a guy who got laid off from his job at a nonprofit group and uh, basically chose himself by starting a bed and breakfast and becoming a realtor and uh, building his business in a really clever way. I have a story about a hairdresser who was, you know, so blessed with a gift of gab that she became a professional speaker because her clients thought she was so awesome. Uh, you know, her, her like corporate clients that would just be guys who would come in and get their hair done. Um, they said, you know, do you actually give talks? Will you speak to my employees? And so she started doing that and she built a career as a professional speaker. And we have a story about, um, you know, a woman who, um, who was, uh, training to be a legal scholar. And she freaked out at the last minute and realized that she absolutely did not want to be a legal scholar. And she'd made a horrible mistake with her life. And she really liked wine, and, but she didn't know anything about it. And so she went back to school and she studied to become a wine expert. So, I mean, you know, these are, these are common stories, right? These are people who lose their job. These are people who, um, you know, freak out and say, oh, my God, I've thrown away the last decade of my life. But they were able to find a way through it. And... I don't actually think that that's so abnormal. I think that, that that's something that anybody can do. The, you know, if I had profiled a bunch of people who had billionaire fathers or a bunch of people who all went to Ivy League universities or a bunch of people who you know, had uh, structural advantages that other people couldn't tap, then I'd say, oh, sure, you're right. But the point of it is that anyone can do those things if they're willing to open their mind to them. And so I thought it was actually really instructive that he could listen to a story about somebody who, you know, 
is a you know a girl in a doctoral program who finds an interesting way to get a mentor and says, oh, that's an extraordinary person. I couldn't possibly do it. I mean, I, I think it's a lack of self-esteem, honestly. I think it's people drawing artificial boundaries between themselves and other people and saying, well, clearly I couldn't do that because there's something different about that person. And frankly, I think it's an excuse. And I thought it was pretty embarrassing coming from a middle-aged man, if we're really honest. <laughs> wow. I, I have clearly hit a nerve. Uh, but that's that's okay because that's that is where I feel like your work and my work sort of merges. The whole point of my book was around this idea of these these incredibly creative companies and people, they're 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 ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things because just because they know how. So all you need to do to be at that level, there is no pedestal that you need to climb. You just need to figure out what to do and how to do it. And on the personal level, it's one of the reasons I love reinventing you. It, it's the how to do it, right? So take the mindset. Of, uh, of of what you just said, and and people should dig into it and and read how to do it, because then you'll then you'll know, and then you'll be extraordinary. And twenty years from now, middle aged French people will be wondering why they can't be like you. So check check that out, Dory. If it's okay, I want to switch a bit from the book and ask you a couple questions. Um, yeah. First first being one that I'm I mean I'm I'm always interested in both. That's why we keep asking the same two. But one I'm really interested in. What are you reading right now? So I actually just finished some binge reading. Um, I uh, reconnected with a friend of mine recently who, it turns out, has a job now uh, in the corporate headquarters of Barnes & Noble, and uh, it means she gets some free books. And so I went, I went to visit her at her office, and it was very exciting because she gave me a couple of books, and she, she knew I liked mystery novels, and she's like, you have to read these. And she was right, and I, I devoured them. Uh, and... I, I was not really expecting to like them as much as I did. Uh, they were the two books that have been come out so far by Robert Galbraith, which is the pseudonym for J.K. Rowling. Um, I mean, I, I've read like one Harry Potter book. I thought it was good, but I did not become like an obsessed person like most of America. But um, I am so impressed because she was real. She's clearly able to master multiple genres very, very well. I mean, this, these were great mystery novels. Um, one of my one of my bucket list ambitions is I want to write a mystery novel someday, and uh, the fact that she was able to do this like YA science fiction and then shift to a to a traditional mystery novel I thought was really brilliant and um, very suspenseful. And so my hat is off to her for her um, obviously pretty uh, pretty flexible writing skills. That's pretty awesome. And and if I may, a reinvention. Sorry, total, total. Yes. But I mean, everything we've been talking about is is done now. Granted, you do it under a pseudonym or whatever, but we everybody knows at this point that it's that it's her, even though it's the pseudonym. But yeah, taking the same skill sets. I mean, the lesson is is right there. Um, leads me to my next question: Thinking about books and next books, etc. I know some of the answer to it, but I don't know all of the answer. What's next for you? So I am working on my next book right now. I actually just turned in the uh, the very, very nearly final manuscript uh, of it. It is going to be coming out next March, and it is called Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It. So if you're, if you're listening, don't worry. She'll be back in March. We'll be talking about that one. Um, no, it sounds it sounds really cool. And then in the meantime, I know you're running around talking, reinventing you, getting ready to talk stand out everywhere from cafes in Paris to uh, army bases in the U.S. doing all sorts of cool stuff. Um, taking as as I as I just told her before the the show, uh, before we started recording, taking jealousy inducing pictures of the cool places that she gets to go. So you'll want to follow her for that reason, if for no other. But if if people are looking for, it, where can we find you? 
Thank you, David. Uh, my website, where I have more than 400 free articles that people can find up there if they're interested in marketing and branding and professional reinvention, is doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K. And I'm on Twitter, at Dory Clark. See, perfect perfect branding lesson right there. Pretty easy and, and concise. So that's that's awesome. So check that out. Uh, in the meantime, again, take that mindset. It's not that extraordinary people do extraordinary things. It's that ordinary people figure out what to do. And then everybody else who doesn't know looks at them as extraordinary. That's no excuse. Go be extraordinary. Check out Reinventing You. Dory, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Hey everybody, it's David from the Leader Lab Podcast. I just want to thank you for being a part of this community and for listening to this podcast episode. And I want to remind you that you can get even more content from us if you connect with us online. We're at Twitter, twitter.com slash LDRLB, Facebook, facebook.com slash LDRLB. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast in either iTunes or Stitcher, or just subscribe to our email newsletter and we'll email you every single time we post a new episode. Thanks so much for being a part of the community. Look forward to giving you even more great content.